Sometimes a situation of life will occur where we get caught in the middle of a strife and controversy. Unless God shows us who is right and who is wrong, it is better not to judge by our opinion. It is better to turn to God and ask Him to judge the situation. He may choose to show us who is right and who is wrong. He might give us a dream to show us, or He might give us a word to show us. But until or unless God intervenes to show us who is right and who is wrong, it is better to abstain from judging. The Apostle Paul once said, Judge nothing until the Lord comes. And I believe that means until the Lord comes to us and shows us the truth of the matter. There are so many times we just don't know the truth when it comes to the situations of this world. People around us are judging all the time. You turn on the television set and you're going to hear the newscasters presenting a judgment one way or another on a situation. We hear it all the time in sporting events where the announcers judge one way or the other. And we get into the habit maybe of thinking we're supposed to judge, but really we should not be judging unless God shows us the truth, and he might show us the truth by bringing to our attention something that other person did. And then we have to know this is the truth on the matter, and this is the one who was wrong. But until you have that information from God, we better really try to abstain from judging. Where there is envy and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. James 3.16 So if we step into envy or strife in a situation, we are going to be very confused. We purchased a new car in 2020. And I had a sound system installed in the car, which I do with my cars. I always do that. A little bit later, something went wrong with, uh, I can't remember exactly what went wrong. And then the car wouldn't start. We had had to have it towed back to the dealer. And the service manager said, well, the problem is this sound system was installed incorrectly. You'll have to have it towed to whomever put in the sound system. So we called the franchise that put in the sound system, and they were so nice. The group that we called is just around the corner from the car dealer. And he said, I'll go up there immediately and discuss this with the service manager. After he finished discussing it with the service manager, the service manager decided to fix part of the problems that were wrong with the car and put it under warranty. Part of it he charged us for. 
You just don't know what anyone is doing when you get in a situation like that. The man at the sound system said, well, it's really up to us to go up there to the car dealer and sort this thing out and fix it between the two of us. We thought the car was fixed and we were really quite happy with it. And then something happened to these side mirrors on these new cars. There's an electronics where when you start the car, the mirror opens up and sets by memory to your previous setting. Well, the car wasn't doing that. Pam was having to manually set the mirror. So we called the car dealer and took the car back to the car dealer. They gave us a loaner car to use until they could get the car fixed. Once again, there was a controversy between the service manager and the sound system people. I turned to God with this and just said, we don't know who's wrong and we don't know who's right. You judge it, please. I had already told Pam if they tried to charge the cost of repair to the sound system people, I wanted us to pay it because I did not want the sound system people to be out any further problem over the car. We learned that they said it wasn't covered by warranty, the problem, and we would have to pay for it. I told Pam, just pay them. Let's get the car back and go forward. Just pay them, whatever they say. But we don't want the sound system people to suffer loss. We might suffer loss, but God will take care of us. Oh, actually, God will take care of the sound system people because they have gone out of their way to work through this problem. Where there is envy and strife, there is confusion in every evil work. God knows the exact truth in the situation. There are often times that things happen that should not happen. A few years ago, we owned a house in Texas, and it was a tax-exempt property owned by the ministry. I lived on the property when I moved to Colorado, we put the house up for sale. All of a sudden, we got notice that the house was no longer tax-exempt, that we, the ministry, would have to pay taxes on that house. And yet, we're a tax-exempt ministry. And even their own office had agreed we were tax-exempt with the federal government. And in the 18 years or so that I lived on the property, we did not pay taxes. And the taxes on that house were very expensive. They were, they were something like $10,000 a year for taxes. So we just didn't have that much money coming in where we could pay taxes on that house. We appealed. And of course, when you're put to all the trouble of appealing a situation which is totally unjust and shouldn't have been done in the first place, 
you can fall into the trap of sin over murmuring and complaining. And murmuring and complaining gets us nowhere. We have many examples in the Bible where they murmured and complained when they should have turned to God in prayer and trusted God. During this situation with the house, we couldn't understand why we were removed from the tax-exempt status because nothing had changed about the property. So I turned to God in prayer, and I just said to God, we don't know where the problem is in that tax office, but you do. Please fix it. And then God showed me to write out a statement and exactly what to say. And we sent it to them. And after that, they said, we are returning you to a tax-exempt status on the house. It was another year before the house sold. So it was very important to us to get out of that tax status, which we did not owe and to be put back into the non-profit status, tax-exempt. God knows exactly where the bottleneck is in the problem. In a problem where other people are concerned, you don't know exactly where the problem is. You don't know who's causing you the problem. It's not that it matters who's causing the problem. What matters is that the problem is resolved and you can go forward. And that's what you want God to do for you, is to help it to be resolved so that you can move forward in peace. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Take the situation to God. What do you want God to do for you in this situation? Be specific. What would you like God to work out? What do you want him to do for you? And then it says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Controversies often stem over money or over what is right. Several years ago, God took me to Second Peter Chapter 3, verse 13, to show me something. Let's look at that. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And God opened my eyes to see this present world will never be righteous. You cannot make it righteous no matter what you do. It will not be righteous. It is the new heaven and the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. This caused me 
to stop all the fretting I was doing over this is not right, this is not just, this is not right, because you're not going to make it right. And when I stopped doing that, it changed everything. Much of the strife that goes on is over the fact that something is not right. And we want to grit our teeth and fight for justice. Let's turn to God instead and just let him deal with it. For the way he deals with it will be just, far more just than anything we could do, even if we had the power to do it, which we don't. Other than the power of prayer, which we ask God to judge the situation and to work it out so we can go forward in peace. For Peter said, as we look for the coming of the Lord to be diligent, that we are found of Jesus when he returns, that we are found in a state of peace without spot and blameless. The only way I know of that we can live in peace is through prayer. We take every problem to God and work it out with God making our requests to God in the situation and trusting in God to deal with the situation. And then the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, comes over us. This puts us in a state where we are ready for the return of Jesus. It's a very simple matter, but requires diligence. Don't try to sweep a problem under the rug. Don't try to say it doesn't matter. It does matter. Take it to God in prayer. And let your requests be made known unto God. So that you can have it judged rightly by God. And he will fix the way that you can go forward in peace. Often strife is centered around money. The loss of money, the injustice in the loss of money, the injustice of the situation. When we set about to make things right, to get justice, we step into the middle of a terrible strife we are going to find that we end up being confused and many evil things can come from this situation. Don't we know that Jesus comes soon and will take us off this present earth? When we enter into striving over money and things, and we're fighting to get justice. So often, there is so much evil that comes forth from us. There is another way to go about this. 
when we are about to strive with someone, often we don't even know the truth on the matter. It's hidden from us because two people in the world are fighting each other and we don't know where truth lies. God knows. So we commit the situation to God in prayer, asking him to judge it, trusting God. And knowing all things work together for good to them who love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All through the Bible, we have examples also showing us that God's way is not our way and his purpose is not our purpose. We can't just assume that we know God's purpose in the matter. There are certain people that have done things and bring damnation upon themselves. We have the example of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. God was going to destroy them, the men. He had a way of destroying them. He was going to use the children of Israel. And when the children of Israel received permission from Pharaoh to depart from the land of Egypt, where they had been in bondage for 400 years, God hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh took out after them, chasing them through the wilderness. With 600, They had 600 chariots, and the people of Israel were on foot. And God told the people of Israel exactly where to go, exactly where to camp. Well, then everything's going to work out all right. Their back was to the Red Sea. And God put them in that position. And Pharaoh was charging for, for, toward them. And their back is to the Red Sea. And yet God put them in that position. God has his purpose. He is going to use the Red Sea to destroy Pharaoh. He is going to save his people by the Red Sea, but destroy Pharaoh. But none of us could have imagined that was going to happen. God simply parted the Red Sea. His people went through it on dry land to the other side. Well, Pharaoh just assumes, well, they could go through it on dry land. Those Israelites are going on dry land. So Pharaoh and his chariots charge into the Red Sea, chasing the nation of Israel. So we know what happens. The nation of Israel is taken on dry land and brought to the other side. And God returns the Red Sea to its strength and drowns Pharaoh and his chariots. They're destroyed in the Red Sea. That's Exodus 15, 16. God has some people that he's going to destroy. They've gone too far. Some people are turned over to a reprobate mind because they refuse to keep God before them in the sense of 
the word of God, the will of God, and they're going and they go another direction. When that happens, they can be turned over to a reprobate mind by God and be destroyed. Romans chapter eight is where I'm quoting. I have seen people who attend church and you can't reason with them. They become angry and you can't reason with them. They are irrational. And no matter what you do to try to bring peace, they are what is called implacable. They will not turn. They cannot be turned. It's irrational. What's happened in that case is they've been turned over by God to a reprobate mind. We can read it in Romans chapter 1, verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, the way of God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And one of the characteristics of that reprobate mind was that they would be implacable. You couldn't turn them. No matter how you reasoned with them, they would not accept your reasoning, your apology, or anything about it. I had a woman that did that to me in Texas. She was a Methodist woman, faithfully attended the Methodist church. She became angry with me. I tried everything I could do to reason with her and reconcile the problem. One day God just said, leave her alone. If the blind leave the blind, they both fall into the ditch. Just leave her alone. And then I saw that word implacable. Two or three years later down the road, I met her at the grocery store and then I was able to briefly speak with her and as much as possible bring a peace. But it is if they're dead when they go that direction. They are turned over to a reprobate mind, if that means without God's judgment, because they wouldn't follow God. When they knew the truth, they wouldn't do the truth. So we must not Allow our hearts to be hardened. And in so much as is possible, avoid strife. It is truly deadly. If God has not shown us the truth in the matter of the strife, trust him to judge. Just turn to him and say, you judge it, please and enter into a peace in the situation. And above all, go forward. For if you try to cling to what went wrong or the past or anything like that, you are pulled down in the waters yourself and drowned. Free yourself. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.